Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Everybody's got to set up in this bedding thicket. Oh, it's saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think he's down right up there. 10 yards. Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming in your ear holes. Another week closer to deer season. We made it. Hoorah. Let's go. Let's get into some whitetail content. I'm talking to Gary this week. He is one of the partners for the Bow Hunting League for me this year. Um, me, Brian, and Gary going to put an absolute slap down on some giant bucks this year. Um, but we're going to go over the seven key things that he thinks will make you a successful bow hunter on private or public land every single year, you do these seven things. He thinks that's what it takes. And uh, Gary has a slew of accolades about him. I mean, he's killed uh, 33 bucks um, for um, last year alone. Um, he ran a trap line for a long time. Uh, he started hunting mature bucks about seven years ago, went, you know, went to Dan Infault, became friends with him. He shot his five biggest bucks in the last three years and 97% of his hunting is done on high pressured public land. Um, so pretty excited to talk to Gary. Um, but before that, let's get into the people that make this possible. And you know, that Velvet Fest is still going on with Exodus. Um, if you guys want to save that, get the savings, 15% off Exodus, um, anything on their website using that Velvet Fest code. 
make sure and sign up for that newsletter as that's where you're going to get all the little secret Friday sales that they have going on, the special savings. So do not miss that newsletter. Um, that is key. All right. Well, let's get into the show. All right. I got Gary on the line. Appreciate you coming on, even though you had to wake up super early this morning and go to work. Yeah, not a problem, man. Glad to be on. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to be on the bow hunting league with you this year. I think it's going to be fun to follow along your season with with our uh, short friend, Brian, um, and uh, see how he does and uh, definitely motivate me to get out there and, and chase some bucks. And, uh, you know, you want to be successful. You don't want to be the guy that's not killing right? <laughs> on right. the team. You know? <laughs> I've been that guy before, and then you don't want to be that guy. You're like, come on, man, I got I to gotta get something done. Everybody else has killed one. I got to get one down. So, but right. – uh, but before we get into this, um, go ahead and give the listeners a brief introduction of, of who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, I'm Gary Gruno. Um, I'm from East Central Wisconsin. Uh, been hunting since I was 12 years old. Started off as a meat hunter with my dad and have morphed into um, a mature buck hunter over the years, the last six years mostly. Um, Started doing some videotaping for the Hunting Beast last season, and uh, just loving life. Nice, yeah. I mean, yeah i i uh, I heard from you first from Cody, um, which I've had on the show multiple times. I really, really dig that guy, and uh, he said that you kind of mentored him. And then uh, when Brian said, "Hey, would you like him to come on?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, dude! I, I want to talk to this guy for a while," you know. So. I'm really excited um, for you to be on the show, and uh, I asked you kind of what you want to talk about. You put up multiple things, but everybody wants to be a successful whitetail hunter, and they want to do it every year. Um, and for a guy that's killed as many bucks as you and, you know, is killing big deer consistently, multiple deer in the same year, year after year, what better thing to talk about than how to be a successful whitetail hunter year after year? Um, so if you just want to dive into that, you know, um, you kind of broke it down into seven steps that we'll cover. Um, but just go ahead and start off with that, and let's see where it goes. Sure. Um, I think the first thing that if you want to be successful year after year, you got to have that mindset uh, of wanting to 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 hunt mature bucks. you got to want it. Uh, I, I kind of feel that, you know, you can't just uh, – throw a couple cameras up right before season and go out there and be successful every year. Uh, so you, you literally, for me, it's, it's 365 days a year. If I'm not scouting, I'm hanging cameras, I'm glassing, I'm shining, shining's legal here in Wisconsin. Uh, it's all that's on my mind. My wife thinks I'm nuts. That's, that's all I ever think about, you know? So, uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I, you just, you just got to want it. You just got to be willing to go that extra step to, to be able to go above and beyond where everybody else is going to really get these bucks, especially in high pressured areas on public land. And that's, that's uh, usually what I'm hunting. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. One thing, you know, you got to want it, but you also have to understand how much work it's going to be. Um, and you, you know, I've been there before where you have a good year, you kill a couple bucks and you're thinking, man, I kind of got this figured out. And then you have one of those humbling years where you go out there and get your butt kicked. Um, and 
it's never going to be easy. So in your mind, you kind of got to get, like you said, get mentally prepared for what it's going to be. You know, it's going to be a slugfest out there for most guys. You know, if you're a normal guy like us and not hunting some managed ground where the deer are, you know, low pressure and never get hunted, never been hunted very much. You know, it's, it's a, every year it's, there's a new challenge that arises. Absolutely. You hit that right on the head. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a labor of love at the same time. And, uh, you know, if you go out there with this negative attitude, you already, you just beat yourself already. I mean, you just, you just, uh, the whole thing is, is not going to work, you know? Uh, and that kind of, um, that kind of, kind of goes with the, the scouting and the planning and, and, and stuff it takes, um, to do all that too. Uh, but you know, it's, it's just, you know, I put on over 600 miles a year in the spring scouting. It, it is, it, it's, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun too. Um, you're, you're literally, uh, being a detective when you go through these woods and you're looking for every little possible sign you can to give you another hint on where that mature buck is going to be. Yeah, I've seen, that's something I've noticed kind of the beast style or infault style over the last few years of listening to his content and talking to him. He's very, very detailed oriented, you know, looking really deep into sign, looking like, did my buck create this sign? Looking for a specific track looking for a specific bed. Um, and that's something that I'm not very good at that I could definitely, you know, with the with the scouting that you're doing and finding these bucks, you're going to get better and better at, at it. But it's just something I need to work on. And I know that, you know, scouting and detailed scouting is definitely right up um, that style of hunting's alley. Yeah. Um, honestly, uh, I – I had a trap line that I used to run that was 300 traps and that took most of my fall. But then, uh, I, I, I quit trapping so I could do more, uh, mature buck hunting. And, you know, I was figuring stuff out and I was, I was getting a couple of sightings and good bucks, you know, every year. But then, um, Dan Infault runs a deal where he takes you into a swamp and literally shows you the bedding and shows you how to set up. And all of a sudden it was like a light bulb went off in my head. Like literally I was like 50 yards off of where I needed to be. And that 50 yards might as well been a mile. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, it, that's what it is. Especially in areas like that where you can't see 20, 30 yards. Yep. And I, after I, I did that, I started implementing what he had showed me. And I went from like two sightings a year, a year of mature bucks to that very next season. I, I, I think I had 13 or 14 mature bucks that I had shots at. And I ended up shooting two mature bucks that year. Uh, and I was like, wow, man, I, I just couldn't believe what I had learned from that. But then now you start adding in all the little stuff that a, a guy needs to do. Um, what, what are their secondary food sources and, and um, 
all the 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 actual bedding areas, the buck bedding areas, you add that all in there, and my success on seeing mature bucks just um, kept going up and up. Yeah, I could definitely see that. So <clears throat> number one, you got to have the mindset for it. You got to want it. Number two, you got to put a serious amount of work in scouting and trying to scout scout specific deer, doing the detective work. Uh, what's number three? Um, trail cameras, man. Uh, you know, there's guys that are doing it without trail cameras and good for them. But man, for me, it, it is a serious amount of Intel. I, I run 90 trail cameras plus in two different States. And, uh, I, you just wouldn't believe the Intel I get from, from that. It's, uh, everything from when, you know, if I leave my cameras soak, I'll get detailed information of when those doles will be going into estrus in that area. And now I can go back the next year and be like, yep, this is when this is going to happen. Um, obviously taking inventory of different bucks and just knowing when and where they're going to be at a specific time. Um, I, I did, uh, I had a elbow surgery a couple of years ago and I had a bunch of camera cards that I had pulled out from Indiana planning my next year's season. If I wanted to go there during the rut, I wanted to know, well, is the Southern Indiana's rut going to be, you know, the last week of October or am I better off the first week of November or the second week of November and uh, I did uh, what I did is I went through all that intel and um, found out that the best day for mature buck movement for that particular year was November 4th. And the second best day was November 3rd. So it was a no brainer. That's where I'm going to be there if I wanted to hot rut. Luckily, knock on wood, I've been lucky enough to fill my my Indiana tags early in the season. So I don't have to make a second trip back, but if I do go back, it will be during that time now. Yeah. It's, you know, when people say scout, scout, scout hunt, um, a lot of people feel like that's just boots on the ground, learning an area, which there's nothing that beats that in my opinion, but trail cams will make you a better hunter incredibly fast, like for your area. Cause you could figure out so much after one year of running trail cameras of where you should have been for the next year. Um, I, I've told people, I don't know how many times without trail cameras, I would, I would completely change the way I hunt and I wouldn't be as successful as I am because I run not near as many trail cameras as that, but I run around the 30 range and um, just the Intel that I get off that uh, it's really cool like I'm sure you do the same thing where you can go back and look at that data and, and light bulbs happen, you know, where at the end of the year you're looking at it and you're like, Oh shit. Like you forget what actually happens in season by the time it's over. And you're like, Oh yeah, I needed to be here in October. Cause you have the data instead of you trying to remember Oh, I seen a buck on that ridge October in the morning that I need to get in there that next year. Um, having that timestamp data for you to pull up later and look at is helps out a ton. Oh yeah. And you know, the funny part is, is uh, 
Brian and I were just having this discussion with um, Brendel Eric. Uh, we were talking about uh, three to five day circles that some bucks do during uh, pre-rut. And I said, I don't know if I see that as much here, but I'll tell you what, I will go through my pictures and I'll let you know. I haven't had a chance. We just talked about this two days ago. Uh, so now I'm going to go back to those pictures and see if I see a pattern um, of these bucks going through and uh, on my, um, cause I, I run a lot of scrape cameras and I, now I can go back and say, you know what? I do see this or I don't see this. Yeah. yeah. And, and without that timestamp data, you trying to remember all that stuff of what you just seen out there, it's really hard to do. But if you have it right. on an SD card, you can look at the SD card five times and remind yourself like, okay, yeah, this did happen. Cause I go, I go, I went through all my cards again, just uh, maybe two weeks ago and I marked down, you know, bucks that were target bucks and then bucks that potentially will be target bucks. And then when they daylighted, if I got a picture of them daylighted and I forgot that bucks daylighted certain times of the year, I'd scroll through my picture and I'd be like, oh yeah, I did remember getting this picture. Like, cause when you're out there and you're scrolling through it real fast, right before you hunt or whatever, you can screenshot it, maybe grab it, but you forget a lot of the intel that you're collecting throughout the year. Yep. That is absolutely right on. And I'll be honest with you. I, there's times where, well, what I generally do is I'll put my cameras out in specific areas, usually on scrapes, um, and, uh, or coming out of some bedding areas. And already have that whole section scouted. So it's just a matter of if I do get a good buck, now I can go in there and start hunting those bedding areas and don't have to waste a lot of time. Things change so fast around here. Man, it's just, it's boom, boom, boom. You know, they get burned and then you have oaks that are dropping and then the corn is ready. And, uh, you know, it's just, you got to keep up with them. And trail sure. cam data is great, but if you pull it, it's old data. Like it's yep. not, it's not the same. So having fresh data from last year, it seems like it's not fresh cause it's a year old, but it's fresh. It's going to tell you what went on and what these deer are more than likely going to be doing this year. Um, because they're creatures of habit. Um, and if nothing throws them off their habit, they're going to be doing the same thing around the same time, you know? Especially, like you said, if you could find one that's in daylight and it, I know Brian believe, you know, real big believer on, you know, bucks go back to scrapes within 72 hours, um, year after year. Um, and I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, they're within the same area within 72 hours, year after year. And he thinks that scrapes are one of them. Um, and that's how he killed his buck last year, um, his booner last year. So, all right, well, that was number three. What's number four? Um, I, I send control, man. People have to learn how the wind works and thermals and thermals are huge, especially in hill country. But even in the swamps by me, um, thermals will make or break you for sure. Uh, I take, take some, um, uh, milkweed out and, and, uh, wind map things. Don't just take it for granted. Oh, the wind is blowing this way. I should be fine. Cause I'll tell you, I've seen this already myself where I'll wind map something 
like let's say I'm in Southern Indiana and I win that bit already in, in spring with, uh, with milkweed. And then I go there in the fall and the wind is doing something completely different because, uh, the leaves are on the trees it, and it kind of like funnels the wind differently than when there was no leaves on the trees. So, uh, when I, when I go out, um, I don't worry about just a wind, those thermals, uh, are huge. So, uh, I'll actually wind map as I'm going in and, and sometimes it'll take me 20 minutes to go that last 60 yards to, to a tree to pick out or to, to get to that tree that I want to hunt, uh, because I'm watching what the, the wind is doing is it's swirling, which way it's just, it's huge. It's huge. And that's, that is, uh, helped my success tremendously is, is learning how that all works together. Yeah. And that's one thing I do. I like to do, um, late season and, um, during, like when I'm hanging cams, like in the summer, I'll go to an area and I'll be like, well, if I hunted this draw, the winds South, what's it actually doing? Like, what's the wind actually doing right now? Cause thermals play, they play a part for me, but not like it does for you guys in hill country. Or if you're hunting a lot around a lot of water, um, you know, in the morning, of course you have thermals, temperature comes up, you have thermals, evenings, it cools down, you have thermals. Um, but, a lot of mine is how wind work through draws and our, our, our timber setup, you know, it's not very hilly. So if you have a big hill or a big draw there, the wind's going to act more strange there than it acts anywhere else. Um, and that's something I've noticed. And like just this year, the wind was blowing South, but it was bouncing off the opposite Ridge when I was out there running trail cameras. And it was actually you know, more Southwest, West, Southwest in that area. And that's something that I got to think about because you go in there to hunt and hang and you're thinking, Oh, it's South. It's going to be South. And it's actually West. That's a big difference, you know, from how you need to access that place, how the deer are going to be bedded in that place. Like there's, there's a big difference. Like you said, uh, what the wind says on your phone, which everybody always looks at that. That's a great place to start. Um, but most of the time that's not how it is when you get out there and hunt an area. Cause I've done it. I don't know how many times where I walk directly into an area and I'm going to hang up. I hang my first stick. I get a big rough, you know, breeze of wind. And I'm like, well, not hunting here today. Like, cause it's just wrong. Yep. You know, it's just, it's just not right. And I don't want to waste <clears throat> my time and educate deer for one. Right. And then for two, you the whole time you're sitting there, if the wind's off, you're not confident. You know, you're not prepared to kill a deer because you're like, man, I shouldn't even be here because the wind's junk. You totally. know? Yep. yep. I've, I've had it already. Like if you get up on the edge of a, a open field and the, the wind is in your favor or <clears throat> in your face and then it goes, comes up over the top of the trees and almost causes like a wind tunnel effect right on the edge of that because the leaves on the trees are acting like a wall. Yeah. And that can mess a guy up. If, if you don't have milkweed to see that you, you, you think you're, you're doing good, but then all of a sudden you just, you throw some milkweed out and it's just tumbling. Yeah. It's just rolling around and then kicking back out the opposite direction that you thought it was going to be. And, yep. uh, and you're like, you know, a lot of people use smoke, which is a good indicator 
you know, one of those puffers right off the bat. Um, but like you said, milkweed is the key because you can see it for a long ways and kind of understand what it's doing down a whole ridge system, you know. And like you said, there's weird pockets where, like, there's little washouts and stuff, and the wind swirls down that, and that just might swirl enough where it sucks it down to the creek bottom and goes the opposite direction, you know. And you're like, what in the heck? But that's something you don't know until you visually see it do it. Or you hunt and you spook deer, and you're like, well, how'd those deer win me down there? The complete opposite direction, you know. Yeah, you know, people, you know, stop swing by my house and chit chat every once in a while. And I had a guy, a couple guys stop over and I'm like trying to show them the, the thermal effects and then what the effects of like uh, the wind has. And my garage runs north and south and I'm standing on the north side of the garage and we have a west wind. I said, so which way you think this uh, milkweed's going to go? Oh, it's going to go straight west. I said, hmm watch this and it where every single time it'll pick up a little bit and it'll shoot straight south until it gets out in the open past the garage and then it'll spin around a little bit and then it'll almost then it'll start heading west and they're going what just happened there yeah this is why you need uh milkweed or cattail fluff works too i mean but something to show you. Now, if you just had the little puffer, you'd never see that. Yeah, you'd never. You would see what's going on in that instance, but you wouldn't see what's going on 50 yards down the trail. You know, because right. you can see the milkweed out of a stand for a long time, especially. There's right. nothing worse than you're good, you're good, you're good, and then you watch the milkweed just shoot, start floating the wrong way. You're like, no. No, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> and then you're going, do I get down now and move? Yeah, I, yeah. you're like, man, you know, I'm yeah. good for 25 yards, but then something funky happens and it goes the other way. And I'm the one of the guys that, like, I'll have a – I carry one of those, uh, like, the caffeine chews. I don't know if you've yep. ever seen those. They're, like, yep. cinnamon or whatever. Well, they have a place that, like, you can store old pouches on top. Well, I'm like – I'm not going to do that. You know, that's gross to me. A store right. batch from two days ago. But I fill that plum full of milkweed, as full as I can get it, <laughs> any chance I get. And I always have them on me or in my bag because, you know, a little hint of caffeine in the morning, um, yep. as long as it doesn't affect your uh, your bowels too bad for most guys, it's a good thing. Right. <laughs> get, you right. A little, get you a little more alert, you know. And but, oh, yeah. but some guys, right. some guys got to watch that, you know, because they might be at the base of the tree pretty quick. Um, right but for me it doesn't have that effect so i like to you i put it in that that tin can and every time i walk past it i mean i open the the top up and some just fall out you know there's just as many as you can fit in there yeah. but i normally yeah. let some hang off the sides out of the top cap and yep. i pull some out through there um but um, i'm one of those guys that drops like 10 15 milkweeds in a row and just watches them, you know, like it's not just dropping one and watching it. It's dropping a whole bunch and, and watching yep. it, you know, because you might have one that'll just be a fluke. And next thing you know, yeah, I've had that. And I'll even check it throughout the night too. That that's it. That's the way to learn though. And yeah. how work. Yeah. you know, don't just sit there the rest of the night and go, well, this is what it's doing. Constantly take up, take a little bit. I've already hit deer in the nose with it. And it's kind of funny how they react. They're like, what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you're, but, you could be sitting there in the evening and you think, well, I'm thinking my thermals pull down this ridge and 
you could verify it and not just right. think it by dropping milkweed and, and seeing what happens. And then it, there's nothing better than what you think it's doing. And then you drop a milkweed and it does that. It just boosts your confidence, not only for that hunt, but for hunting there in the future. You're like, okay, I'm, I'm really solid here in the morning or the evening, you know, with, with this yep. wind. And you could, that's, a, that's something you can remember forever because, you know, the, the ground isn't going to change that dramatically to where it's going to alter the wind, you know, from what it's doing most, most time. What I've, what I've seen in my area, I don't know if this is true to you, but if I have anything above 15, between 15 and 20 degrees steady or mile per hour steady, the thermals are way less dramatic, like almost nothing. Is that what you're seeing? Or do you always see a constant thermal? Absolutely. And, you know, those kind of those times, especially in hill country, when if you can get that stronger wind to blow through a hub, oh, it's so much easier to hunt. Yeah. You're just relying on your thermals and a little bit of wind to get a stronger wind. It's almost to me personally easier. Yeah. I, I'm those guys are like, oh, it was a beautiful morning that you could, you know, you could hear a mouse fart out there and it was calm and cool. And I'm like, I like like. 10 12 15 mile an hour wind it kind of makes me feel like when i move through the woods i'm a little more sneaky because my sound when i'm hanging my stand i'm a little more sneaky and i can almost guarantee you that my sense blowing that way if it's steady you know yep and you 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 just don't spook as many deer on the way in yeah it's so much i don't know i i nothing worse than light and variable Light and variable. You see that, you're like, ah, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes it really hard. Then. I mean, it's not impossible, but I tell you, those days that you have that constant wind, you're just going, oh, yes. Yeah. This, this is going to be a good day. So yeah. I can push in a lot closer to the bedding on those on those steady days, too. Yeah, so those light, light and variable <clears throat> days, make sure and, and think about those thermals heavily, you know, because those are going to be a huge factor. Yep. Um, so what's number five? Um, I, being mobile to me is super important. Um, and I'll kind of give you a good example. Uh, 97% of the time on, I'm, I'm on public land, but uh, one of my closest friends and I, it's actually my wife's cousin, Brad Crook. He, uh, him and I have uh, 80 acres that we can hunt up in uh, northern Wisconsin. And we had stands all set up all over the property. And it. I tell you what, you know, you did those deer start learning where those stands are. It's crazy, especially the older bucks, because they've, they've had interactions or scent was left from those stands that were preset. We got rid of all those stands and, um, that, that very next year, I actually took, uh, my, um, my V stand in and placed it in a, a whole different area that there was no stands that were permanently set. And I shot, um, just under 140 class buck during our gun season, which is crazy for, I mean, cause gun season in Wisconsin is an absolute zoo. So I, I he had no idea I was there and it was fantastic seeing it before where they'll look up to where the stands used to be too when they come through uh 
it's being mobile. Those bucks have been through three, four, five, six years of hunting. They know where you've been. Trust me. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Like I said, with the does on public, man, when I was hunting those, those damn does were so keen on (laughs) where I was at. And it, it seemed like, um, I've mentioned this on a podcast before. There was just so many limited trees where I was hunting that if they walked past a tree that a stand could potentially get in, they looked up in it because there's been someone in there before, you know, right. that, that spooked them. And um, that's something that you just kind of got to learn. And, man, we were like, we got to get higher. We got higher. And that actually made it worse, you know, and we were yep. trying to outsmart them. But, man, they'd be – that we had a we had a – like a three-year-old eight-pointer on a full trot through there in the rut. Full trot, 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 literally running right at us, none of us moving. And it, he just froze and looked right into that tree. I'm like, how in the hell did you pick me out up here? Um, but more than likely, like you said, they've seen someone in that tree before a couple times. and sure. And – uh they're expecting that area to, to hold, hold, you know, a stand. Yep. And you know, that brings up another thing. Uh, lately, the last, uh, I shouldn't say lately, I'm sorry, but, uh, the last four or five years, I just, especially during early season, I only get two sticks high, man. Uh, the one thing I've noticed is with some of these areas that I hunt that have a lot of hunter, hunting pressure those deer will literally come out of their bedding and they'll look straight up like what the hell like really so obviously somebody else must have been hunting there and they had interaction with them uh and here i am two sticks high and they literally look straight they're out in front of them they'll look straight up into the trees it's like they they've missed that middle zone i can't believe the stuff i get away with I mean, I'm not doing a dance on the tree stand or anything, but I'm not, they're not picking me out immediately either. It's like, they're just, that middle part is, is like, is safe. And, uh, I, I just, uh, that I, it took me a while to get used to that, but now that I'm in that, that zone that I, you know, unless I'm in hill country where I need to get super high, where there's no leaves on the trees during like uh late season or late like rut. I, I like to stay low, honestly. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people talking about that and uh, I've kind of thought about it a couple times of why <laughs> I think it might be. And I think it might be that when you get high, you're getting skylined. Cause if you look up into a tree, it's pretty white, you know, and you just got the limbs um, and it's a lot easier to see something bulky up there compared to something bulky down low when you kind of still have most of the canopy above you um, right. to hide you. So I think, like I said, I think that is a lot of the reason why people are getting away going lower is because they're not getting skylined. Um, and like yep. you said, when these deer are looking up and they look up and they can literally pick out the figure of a body in the skyline, when they look up the other other time, it's just a, it's a body with a canopy above it. It's much harder to... To, to figure out you know but this is i believe that they've had interactions from somebody up to even look up i mean why would a deer look up yeah anyway? i don't know man and they do it's crazy but they do yeah it's 
like they know danger can come from up above as much as down below. So they, I think they just kind of, um, they've kind of learned that, that they need to look up to. Yeah, I, I, I believe that as well. <clears throat> All right. So let's move on to number six. Um, surrounding myself with like-minded friends. And I tell you what, that is like, I was just talking about, I was talking with Rendell, Eric and, and Brian and, uh, you know, it's great to bounce ideas off each other and, and, um, just get the motivational. That's a big thing right now on, um, Instagram and Facebook is people are posting workout videos, trying to stay in shape for the hunting season I mean, if, if you, uh, have friends that think the same as you, that's going to make you a better person. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's crazy to see all those workout posts. Uh, they got a big group that's tagging each other. I think it's really cool. I'm kind of a secretive, um, gym goer. Um, I don't post most, a lot of times I go, but I love, I love seeing other people post it. It, it motivates me when I see people doing it, you know, it's crazy how many people are running now too. Like, a lot of yeah. running, a lot of running posts where that's something I've done for a while now. And, uh, everybody thought I was crazy for a long time. They're like, you, you're running. I'm like, yeah, dude, <laughs> I'm out there. I'm out there running, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I just ran a 5k a couple weeks ago, you know, a race and I'm out there trying to compete, you know, like I'm, I'm still, yep. Yep. you know, trying to do my thing and, and have fun with it. But it's really cool to see people do that. But like you said, um, they're all doing it to get prepared for hunting um, and they're motivating everybody around them. That's, you know, and like you said, it, it's with everything in life, including hunting, every, your life is dictated to who you spend your time with, you know, and if you spend your time with dudes that are killing deer, trying to figure it out, you're learning together, you're working together. Um, you're going to grow faster than if you're trying to be out there by yourself competing against everyone else. Absolutely. And I'll be honest with you, we, we use a, an app called Marco Polo and uh, it's a communication app. It's something similar to um, Snapchat, but it's with all the other, without all the bullshit in it, you can record a message. And then whenever the other person sees it and can look at it, they can respond by recording something back. But anyways, uh, we use that for scouting. We'll just use it to shit. We'll use it for, um, anything for, for that matter. And we have a big group of, of guys, including all the hunting beast guys that are in this thing. And it, it, it just, it's so nice to be able to, um, you know, talk to each other about hunting and whenever a guy gets to look at whatever, and that just builds everybody up. Um, so yeah, uh, it just, Key, and then you want people who are going to build you up, not knock you down. Like uh, my good buddy, Josh Tolker, he is, you know, he's always positive about things and very normal about the, it's just all these guys are great guys. And that's the kind of people I want to be affiliated with. Yeah. I appreciate you telling me about the Marco Polo app and having me go on there. That's something I hadn't even heard of. Um, and as a lot of my listeners know, I've kind of stepped away from social media, um, did it for years. I just get burnout, you know, you know, and, um, this Marco Polo is a way to just, 
like you said, you communicate when you can communicate. And it's not a post that a bunch of people see. It's just whoever you want. And I actually started one for my Patreon group. Um, Brad Collins um, said, hey, a lot of, you know, a lot of other podcasts have um, this Marco Polo for people that want to talk about the podcast. And I'm like, oh, cool. So I've actually got to chat with some listeners like Alex um, and some other guys that listen to the show through that Marco Polo app. And I wouldn't even have started if I didn't, if yeah, I didn't tell Brian, to, let's get into the bow hunting league. And he suggests you as a partner. Like it was it's pretty cool how things work out. Um, but I'm glad we started this friendship on there because I'm going to get to follow your season um, through that. And uh, like I said, it's going to motivate me to want to do better and, and get out there and hunt harder just like you are. Yeah, it, it is. It can be uh, a lot of fun. Matter of fact, I, I got Eric Jeske into doing it. He's not a big social media guy either. And the first thing that came out of this mouth is, boy, this could be trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a prankster, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could definitely prank some people on that sucker. I like, like you said, how it's there for whenever you can get to it, you know, and you can kind of follow through. And it tells people – when they're live on there as well talking, but then you can also go back and look at it whenever, cause we all get busy and it's hard to keep up with stuff. And this way you can carry a conversation on over days, you know, right. and it's more than just a text message. Cause half the time you can't, a guy could say, I just seen a big buck and you know, he went 60 yards the other way. Did you bump him? Did you, was he, are you upset about it? Are you excited about it? Like, right. you don't know exactly what's going You know he's seen something, but you don't know exactly what's going on in that text message. Right. But if he sends a message and say, man, my target was 60 yards away, and I just couldn't get him to come, you know, close that extra gap, and you can just say a lot more in a video than you can in a text message. And people can decipher what the what the hell is actually going on. Yep, so. the excitement in the voice, and yep, absolutely. All right, well, let's wrap it up with number seven. Um, constantly learning. I am always learning and we get back to learning from friends, um, videos, uh, watch every video that Dan info ever put out and, uh, podcasts. I'm listening to every podcast that I possibly can. And it's not that I, I you know, I always try to pick up, a. a tidbit from every podcast if you listen closely there is something to learn from every podcast the minute you say i didn't learn anything from that is you're in trouble because yeah what i always say is you might you might not learn something that's groundbreaking correct but you're always going to learn something there's always going to be something that you in your mind either associate with a buck that you're hunting and say whoa maybe what that maybe he was doing that you know, or maybe that's something I should try. And maybe, like I say a lot of times, maybe it's the worst thing you could do. But maybe it's the best thing you can do. But you're not going right. to know until you try it. You know, and, and that's what I think podcasts are for is like, listen to it, absorb the, con the, you know, the, the content, and decipher it for how it would work in your situation. Do you think that would work at all? No, yes. You know, is it something that you want to try? And every time I listen to a podcast – I find myself associating it with a hunt like similar or associating it with a buck and well, maybe I should have done that or maybe I should have tried that. Maybe I should have hung a cam there. You know, there's always something that, and like you said, when you're always trying to better yourself, it's easy. 
to have an open mind and fall into those situations where maybe, you know, if you didn't want to learn, you thought you knew everything, you wouldn't find yourself in those situations because you wouldn't be exorbitant the way I am. Yeah, absolutely. That's spot on. And I, even, you know, I've had it already where I was listening to something and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I knew that. I guess I, I need to start going back and thinking like that again. Or, or for me, since I'm doing more out of state hunts, you know, just because it doesn't work in Wisconsin doesn't mean it's not going to work in Indiana or yeah. Iowa. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So now when I get to those those situations, I'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so did this. I wonder if that'll work in this situation. It makes you a stronger hunter. Yeah, it, gives, sure. you, it gives you more ideas and more options of possible things you can do. And and because, uh, I mean, you can... You could hunt for a hundred years and be successful, but you could hunt the same amount of time and absorb content from, you know, 10 other hunters and hunt 10 lifetimes, you know, and that's the way I look at it is there was a time when everybody was like, oh, there's too many podcasts or too many YouTube videos. I don't think there's ever too many because there's always someone that's going to, you might like this podcast. You might, you know, be drawn to this podcast more than this podcast. This podcast might talk about more of your style of stuff than this podcast. Um, main thing is to just find what you like and, and try to be open-minded and absorb the content. Um, and that's, that's the way I've looked at it from the very start is, like you said, there's always something to learn some way, shape, or form. You just got to look at it. Yep. And it, it's, it's just, it, it helps so much to, um, you know, with these YouTube videos nowadays, like I didn't have that when I started hunting, obviously. Uh, it was, I had deer and deer hunting magazine and they told you just look for scrapes, look for rubs, life is good. You'll shoot your big buck off of that. And now everybody doing all these YouTube channels and all that. And, and uh, with like Dan Infault with his learning videos, his teaching videos that he does, are absolutely fantastic so if uh if a guy's really serious into mature buck hunting and you want a to, to jump forward ahead with your knowledge you pick up some of those videos from dan infault or it's just there's so much information out there versus when i was younger yeah i wish i wish someone when i first started hunting the first two and a half three years when i was young would have told me about the wind, just the wind. That would have made such an impact on my hunting right? career because I was just going to spots that look good. Oh, big yeah. rub over here. I'll hunt it. Oh, there's a scrape over here. I'll hunt it. Like you said, you're looking at the magazines. You're saying, hunt the big buck sign, hunt this scrape, hunt the food source. Okay, I'm hunting the food source. Wind's blowing right out into the foods. Like, yeah, yep. you just don't know, like, the simplest things. And now that's like a, a give me, like – you know, right. if I talked to some guys at work, they wouldn't know about the wind with whitetails because they never hunted them. But for me, yep. I was two, three years in before my grandpa <laughs> was like, well, you're watching the wind, aren't you? I'm like, like the wind speed? He's like, no, the wind direction. I'm like, oh, shit. No, I'm not. You know, and yep. I started seeing more deer, you know. <laughs> uh, I specifically remember this one time I was bull hunting and I was on the edge of this alfalfa field. And all these deer were pouring into this alfalfa field right before dark. And me and my dad set up in this 
this alfalfa field and now we're, we're talking 20 years ago here and all of a sudden you know about 45 minutes before dark these deer were, were just blowing at us and i'm like well what the hell did they see us what's going on here what why are they doing this like uh and you know my dad was a smoker i wasn't well yeah he, he they smelt us and it was it was game over not one deer came out to that field and that was a quick lesson like yeah yeah you're I like need- what's going on why aren't they coming out and you know it's something you're doing but you don't know what you know right yeah. they didn't see me there's no way yeah but yet they're blowing at us like okay yeah and it was you just uh, learned over time like all right don't do that again <laughs> yeah yeah, no, then that's when you started thinking, okay, what happened? They smelled us. Okay, why? Well, because the wind wasn't wasn't right. So, And the thermals were horrible for that stand looking back at it. Now there's water uh, on the edge of that uh, swamp, and that thermals are just pulling in their scent. I was yeah, looking- I, I, I look back at hunts when I was young, and I'm like, I can't believe I've seen any deer, let alone the, 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 <laughs> the big deer that I've seen. I was just out there putting in so much time you just get lucky that's that's yeah. how i was hunting when i first started you know because i i didn't have a girlfriend i didn't play you know i got kicked out of my house when i was 16 i had to start working <laughs> i didn't play sports i had to shoot deer to eat man i was out there just trying to get something oh down you know so i was hunting a lot you know any chance yeah. i could get that i wasn't working i was out there trying to get something down i lived off deer meat and dollar menu taco bell man so. Yeah, you know, and I, I, I used to shoot. I was a meat hunter. That's what my dad brought me up as. And if it was brown, it was down. And I'll still shoot a few does every year for the freezer, and uh, now help out some people who are in need. But um, I, I still get excited about shooting a doe. And honestly, you know, the way I that I hunt, I may not even. I may not even see a deer for four, five, six, seven hunts, and you're just getting itchy at that trigger finger. I'll take one night, I'll go shoot a doe for the freezer, and that takes all the pressure off, man. Yeah. I just, yeah, I love shooting a doe, man. It's just like you still get a little adrenaline, especially when the arrow goes just slides right in there, perfect, and you see it crash. You're like, oh yeah. Get you motivated yeah. and ready to kill the well, next buck, you know? Right, right. You, you got something down. You got your freezer, some meat in the freezer again, and you're okay. Now I'm ready to go another six, seven, eight, whatever it takes to see a mature buck. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it just never gets old, for sure. No, for sure. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, appreciate you tuning in and uh, let me – get some of your time for your night and uh, coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Cody. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that episode. Some awesome whitetail content on how to be a consistent killer with Gary there. Like always, guys, try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. And Whitetail Legacy is out. I'm coming in your holes next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. We out.